0: Good morning. Conversation with Alaskan Gardeners. Margaret and I are back on the air. You can tell it's springtime. The birds are flying in. We're hearing the owls sing in the early hours of the day. The snow is melting under the constant application of rainbird sprinklers in our yard. And Landscape Alaska is back on the air. We're ready for spring. So ready, so ready. (laughs) Achingly ready.
1: Yes, we had six feet of snow at our house in December.
0: It was plenty. Absolute it was <laughs> It was over the the edges of our window sills. And so much that it crushed our greenhouse, crushed it right to the ground, squashed everything inside it.
1: And that's why we're having a pruning class today. so We're take, show, taking our broken things. We're going to show people how to prune stuff so they can grow back and be beautiful again. And so, if you are interested in that, we'll be at our nursery on at the noon. Back Loop Road at noon. And, and, uh, and the
0: nursery on the Back Loop Road is easy to identify.
1: Because our mailbox is laying down on the ground
0: from where the plow hit it. The snow plow hit the mailbox <laughs> and crushed it to the ground, too. And the address is? 11029. Yes. It's a, a, a
1: long driveway up a steep hill, and we're at the very top.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and you,
1: if you go to our website, it shows you a little map of how to get there. It's at the edge of Goat Hill
0: Road. Between Goat Hill Road and Spring Way. It's it's not on the street. It's up, the like Margaret said, up the long driveway.
1: But anyway, it's spring, everybody. We're so happy. Yeah, and the and birds are and singing.
0: It's surprising getting all that stuff out of the greenhouse and, and fluffing it up. I'm surprised and really, really pleased at how much there is that's not too damaged.
1: Right. Almost... There's quite a bit that needs some tending and in, in manicuring, but no, it, we, for considering how much we had in there, which is amazing, uh, it just broke my heart to lose the apple trees and the the fruiting.
0: Oh, things. and the multi trunk Japanese maple clusters,
1: and the and my favorite firs that I was saving to plant in the hedge this year.
0: Oh yeah. But I wouldn't
1: sell last year and now they don't have any heads but anyway we'll prune them up to little bit. We're going okay. to fix
0: them. That's one of the nice things about the horticultural world. You can fix anything. As long as it's not dead. As long as it's not dead there's can't a way bring to make it back to life. We even built cages around hawthorn trees downtown 25 years ago to hold them up when the root systems failed and they're still Flowering and fruiting every year. And still in their cages. And still in their cages, that's right. Okay, so this is a call in show. Five eight six one eight hundred. Oops, nine oh seven five eight six one eight hundred. Remember everything has changed now. It's the modern world.
1: I hope we can fit in it. You know. Okay. We're and, not very
0: modern. And when Margaret says uh, you could look at our website, it's landscapealaska.com. dot com. What a surprise. So uh the giant garden sale looks like it's back on this year for the May. For Isn't the, that Mother's great? Day. I'm so thrilled. Well, the
1: pandemic's really been something to live through, and we're all there. So it kind of makes us screwy in the head, I think.
0: Absolutely. It's living in it's all this Screwy isol- in the head.
1: <laughs> living in all this isolation. But uh, getting back together with all the different gardeners and people who are promoting horticulture, I just am so excited.
0: And all the new growers, new greenhouses, new growers, new horticultural businesses. I'm just thrilled to see it.
1: Me too, you know? know,
0: The more, the better.
1: Yeah, it was a desert when we came here, and now it's like this flourishing garden of opportunity. Yeah, so everybody... And uh,
0: people growing crops, and people having the greenhouses in their yard, and the high tunnels, and the organic produce, and the hydroponic produce. All those things are just thrilling to see it is absolutely and, and uh and on that note we got our first shipment our first shipment is rhubarb divisions that's right we have a hundred rhubarbs got a hundred rhubarb divisions just off the plane so we're gonna you know uh, pot them up but if you want to buy some as divisions you're certainly welcome to do so we'll have our program at noon today and uh you're
1: and we're rebuilding our greenhouse so you can look at that
0: <laughs> yes that's in, in, it's in full process. construction mode it is Okay, so uh, Tyler Rental is open, and they have their uh, summer hours, and they have all kinds of wonderful horticultural devices that you might need. I already started using my handheld chainsaw this year. And you bought a holster for it. And I bought a holster for it. You know, usually
1: holsters are for cowboys, but we're going to have to get another name for you.
0: (laughs) Bowboy. Something like that. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, They've got this wonderful... Rechargeable battery chainsaw that you can hold in your hand single handedly. You can be on a ladder pruning the trees around you. It's a great tool. Everybody that sees it wants it. And uh, I'm sorry they've been in many cases back ordered. But if you want one, you can come and look at mine. But you, if you want one, you want to call get them on up the and list. see if they've got them. Get on the list right away. So we're ordering stuff right now. We're having shipments starting to come in. It's so exciting. It, you know,
1: we is, get, we order out of canada we order all over the pacific northwest uh we order in alaska
0: and ohio and in uh, nevada i mean nebraska
1: and we have things sent to us and to look at what you know we can't order everything we want because it doesn't all grow here but looking at what's available
0: out in the world is exciting it is and the canadian roses New Canadian roses this year. The Chinook Sunrise is available, and that's a yellow one with a pink edge. That's hardy for our climate. It's going to grow to be a four to five foot tall shrub. Let's
1: talk about growing roses. Okay. You know, there's a lot of chatter on Facebook about growing roses for cold climates, but the prob- it's a group. It's yeah. a group
0: that I follow. That's why you yeah. see it. Well, I know. Okay. <laughs>
1: hello listen um the thing is we have so much rain that even if they live you want to pick roses that can take the kind of weather we live in and even though they are cold hardy they're not necessarily going to thrive in you know last summer it rained so so much getting seven inches of rain in a week was not unusual and the month of July and August when you're hoping your roses are going to be doing their thing
0: uh, it, was stormy. it was just
1: the pits but anyway you if you can plant your roses under an eve and protect them from having to deal with the really harsh rainfall but still let them get light they will grow and thrive for you if they are cold hardy
0: and you can put them on a trellis against your building, you know, hold it out from the building enough so that you can do your maintenance work on it, but you train a rose on a trellis, and even though it's not one that's bred to be a climber, you can train it to be like a climber. And they make a nice uh, really they make a beautiful big whatever kind of shape trellis you have, a fan or a big square or or something you make yourself out of willow and alder twigs, you know, the the ability to hold the plant flat against the building and use the eaves to keep the rain off the flowers really makes a world of difference
1: and there's something about roses one of the things about cold hardy roses often is that they don't have the fragrance that you want them to have and I often buy a tea rose just so that I can have fragrance and if it doesn't make it through the winter I'm sorry but at the same time I get to enjoy that fragrance and sometimes those little dwarf roses the little tiny miniature roses have great fragrance Mm -hmm. and they're wonderful in hanging baskets and stuff like that and they're often tough enough to get through the winter if given some protection not outside hanging. I can't
0: remember what the name of the one we had last year but I will have them again this year was a re-bloomer once it started blooming in early June...
1: Something on the Hudson?
0: No, not that one. That's a big shrub rose. This was that little miniature when it was yellow and pink.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. We still have a couple of those. I
0: noticed them coming alive again.
1: They're down in Montana Creek uh-huh. in that
0: greenhouse. So this is one of the most exciting things about horticulture is that the, the coming on in the springtime of stuff that you, you pray it's going to make it. You can't yeah. tell for a long time, and then all of a sudden... Bingo, there they are, those green buds swelling up on them.
1: They send little signals.
0: Mm -hmm. I was looking at the creeping blueberries yesterday.
1: I love those. They are the most fabulous ground cover. They're not real fast, but they're fabulous, and they're
0: tough. And the color right now, the main stems are that really deep, deep red and then the buds are the brilliant little green on them. They mm-hmm. stand out like Christmas ornaments. I know. Very, very cute. So okay. our, our call-in show. 586 Come oh, on, somebody call us up. 907 586 Okay, so uh, I'm really looking forward to, to uh, our class today, to pruning the trees up and getting them ready, making new tops on them. And that'll be at noon at our house at the nursery on the Back Loop Road. I want you to order some boxwoods for me, David. Okay. Do you want uh, little ones or medium-sized ones?
1: I'd like a two-gallon.
0: Okay. Boxwood is one of those evergreens that if it finds the right place here, it grows really well. And there used to be a hedge of the, around the front of the governor's house. I, I don't know if it's still there or not.
1: Well, there's boxwoods growing in people's yards. I want mine for pots. Excuse me. And uh, I'm going to winter them over in the greenhouse because in a pot things don't survive as well as they do in the ground. And often things, you know, really if you want to see how hardy something is, plant it. Because living in a pot is really difficult. But, but boxwoods are tough. So uh, the right variety, they're not all the same hardiness, but the right varieties do really well up here. And I want them for my permanent
0: pots. And they've got such an amazing aroma Mm-hmm. Boxwood has a really, really distinctive aroma.
1: It just looks pretty all the time. Mm-hmm.
0: The same thing with those little ewes. You know, they've got a distinctive aroma, and they're tough, too, and they can hang out in a pot.
1: Right. You
0: know, and, they, and the creeping one is really oh, pretty. Oh, phone call. Woo-hoo! Well, good morning, Conversations. Yeah, good morning. I'm glad you guys are back on the air. Thank Thanks. you. Um, Yeah, I have, my question is, I have uh, nasturtiums that i would grown by, uh, from seed, and they're fairly well along, And I have them in a cold frame that's about 50 degrees. And the, some of the leaves are starting to shrivel and turn yellow. Is it too cold for those nasturtiums? They've been in there for about two, one to two weeks. How long is it since you give them some fertilizer? Uh, I, I haven't. They don't need much. But if the leaves are turning yellow, there's a few things that that happens. One is, is they're uh, too wet. The other one is that they're too dry, of course. That those are the hard ones. But if they're turning yellow, it usually means they need a little bit of fertilizer. So but would you do a liquid f- feed? A liquid feed, very, very light, like a quarter okay. strength.
1: Okay. Okay, great. You betcha. All right, thank you. Hey, and, ah, make sh- yeah, and let us know how it turns out. Okay.
0: And if you end up with more nasturtiums than you want, let me know. Okay, so we're looking at small trees. In this springtime small flowering trees
1: well there's a big market for small trees and when we're talking about small trees we're saying something that won't get any bigger than 15 feet and that's in a 40 year period um, you can have even smaller trees of which there are real dwarfs that uh, produce but in my work uh, because I often design for large buildings Having a tree that doesn't get too big and doesn't interfere with the facade of the building and being able to be maintained, there's a big market for that. Mm-hmm. You and know, and We're surrounded by giant
0: trees, so it's like we,
1: we, we don't want this. We don't need any more big trees.
0: <laughs> That's right. But what we do need here is that relief that you can see against the building or, or from the building in the other way in order to frame views and to, to block views. You know, and there's a lot of criteria when you look at trees in the landscape.
1: Well, for me, a lot of it, because I drive the maintenance train for Landscape Alaska, is how much debris does a tree make? And, you know, like the mountain ash probably is the worst. Not only does it have uh, berries that hang on for a long time, and even though the ravens like them and all that, but by the time they drop on the ground, make a horrible muckiness wherever they are. They also have compound leaves, which means you can't just rake them up because they get all tangled with one another and you can't blow them with a blower because uh, they don't want to move. That's right, they kind of
0: hang under the grass. (laughs)
1: Like a big community. Mm -hmm. And so, and they also drop their sticks from their multiple branchlets, you know. And so it's a real messy tree. So when I'm looking at trees, I want a tree that when the wind blows in the fall, The leaves are small enough, they just blow away, and I don't have to worry about raking them up or cleaning out the drains or taking care of the curb or clearing the parking lot, you know. Are you
0: talking about mountain ash?
1: No. (laughs) No, I'm just saying that uh, having trees that are small, under 15 feet when they get big, I mean, you Mm -hmm. can have a 10-footer, you know, I'm just saying that can easily be managed and have small leaves and are beautiful, have color, texture, all that. But can maintain themselves, that's what I look at in
0: a tree. Little crab apples are good trees for that. They are. And so are service berries good trees for that.
1: There aren't, it's hard for crab apples to stay vertical though. They don't have a very strong root system, it seems to me, because they all, even if you, unless you keep them staked, they always tend, they look like they're leaning. Well, they are leaning. As they get older, you know, by the time they've been in the ground 30 years, it's at a 45-degree tilt. So uh, if you're going to grow small crab apples, keep them staked.
0: Yep, that's really true, particularly the, for the first few years of their lives so they can get get trained and oriented. And I think when it's you our soils. The soil
1: just gets so saturated with water that they, the, the roots aren't strong enough. They don't die, but they are leaners.
0: And there's a lot of, of crab apples... That have fruit that's so tiny, you can't even see it once it drops to the ground.
1: I and like that. Yeah. the sargentinas and the sargents are like that.
0: Really, they And they hold
1: on through the winter time for a long time before they drop.
0: And the birds won't even touch them until they've been frozen a couple times,
1: so that they have the sweetness and the sugar.
0: There you go. So nice. Okay, so uh,
1: so five eight oh nine zero seven five eight six one eight hundred. There you go. Give us a
0: call. So we're making hedges, and we have a lot of nice kind of hedge material, that, that uh, both for, for area definition and for privacy, and also to protect play areas so the balls don't go rolling out into the street. And most of the, the hedging is done with uh, evergreens, but there are a lot of other things you can use.
1: Well, hedges need to be beautiful. And an evergreen hedge is beautiful, don't misunderstand me, but there's no reason you can't put blocks of different kinds of plants in a hedge, you know, like not interspersed one-on-one, but, you know, here's five of this, and then here's five of, of an evergreen, and here's five of something that flowers, and then five of an evergreen, something that gives a pattern and a rhythm, so that it's always interesting to look at and going through its different stages,
0: and you can either prune them to be a formal hedge or let them grow to be an informal hedge.
1: You could, but I, I personally like let them be trimmed for a while before you let them become informal. I, in the long run, they end up holding a better form. You know, young things are wild and they like to get out there and do their own thing. If you're trying to get them to behave in the landscape so people like them, then you need to... Give them a
0: little training. And like you say, it is nice to have some contrast there. And the color of the foliage is a good place. The color of the flowers is a good place. Fall color is another really, really good place.
1: And at this time of year when you're walking around, if you're really into thinking about the landscape and designing things or you want things in your yards, look at what things look like when they don't have leaves. Because things have a unique structure all of their own. Lilacs have their structure. Uh, crab apples have their structure.
0: Rose bushes.
1: H- hydrangeas have theirs. Roses have theirs. And look at how they're formed so that you can think about how you really want to use them. You know, people start out with good intentions, but they don't really want to spend their entire life. I mean, I do, but most people don't pruning and clipping and grooming their plants. They want to go skiing or boating or fishing or hiking. Yeah, I got or, you. you know, uh-huh. They want to go do something else after the first few years of putting in a yard. And so you want to plan for that by picking the right forms to begin with. And when they don't have their leaves, you can see how they are.
0: And it's really interesting to identify things when they don't have leaves on them. You think about about how characteristic it is to have uh, rose bush leaves on a rose bush, and serviceberry leaves on a serviceberry. But when they don't have any leaves on them, and you look at them, they're ev- every bit as easily identified. You can look at them, sure. and that branch structure is so indicative of that species.
1: I know, it's it's. I love it, well, and also
0: I really like looking at the trees and seeing seeing the pattern on the branching and seeing what the history of that tree is you can see how how at some time in the in the not too far distant past uh, the top was broken and a bunch of sprouts came around the bottom of it and grew up around the broken top and then they have these five or six new branches that become competing tops on them
1: we have a few of those at our house we're going to show them today
0: Uh, absolutely (laughs) and and uh, the same thing as you walk around in the forest you're going to look at that too you look at the the trees and you see not just how they are now but when you look at them their entire life history is right there absolutely right there to be seen and it's just that most people
1: don't look up You know, we walk around and we're looking up at things.
0: Lots of times I I am, that's right, kind of stumbling into things because I'm staring up at the top so much. (laughs) That's right. Okay, so so one of the hedges that you made last year really stands out in my mind, and that's the one you you put uh, up by the governor's house using the Japanese maples.
1: The Japanese maple hedge is a pretty hot number, and buying them as, you know, they're six feet tall, small branches they're only in a two or three gallon pot so they're easy to plant and they're affordable and they're only going to grow and be beautiful and instead of doing all one kind i did three different colors and intermixed them in a pattern going in and out yellow versus green versus plum so it i'm excited too i'm hoping with all the snow we had that uh, it didn't break up too much
0: well, they're young, and so they might they might have bent, but I don't think they would have broken off.
1: We can only and, hope.
0: you know, if they break off, then we'll just prune them. I know. Prune <laughs> them to make them grow better. I'm so glad to see that we have, we've got about a dozen now that uh, are destined for another small hedge planting.
1: Well, you know, it's amazing. I start thinking about Japanese maples. and. In- to the idea that we live within two miles of the glacier, and we have Japanese maples in our yard that are forty years old, maybe even older than that. Maybe they're
0: oh, they are because we've had five them forty years, years old, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> and and
0: we've moved them four or five times already. I
1: know, but the, the idea that we can grow them. That we don't have to keep them as icons only. That you can use them as a working tree. That you can make hedges out of them. That are going to be beautiful and spectacular. And they have small leaves. And when the wind blows in the fall, they can just
0: blow off. And they look so <laughs> graceful in the spring and early summer. They're beautiful with year their round. green colors. And then when the wind comes and the branches start whipping around and those little leaves are flipping like bird wings... And then the fall color on them.
1: Mm-hmm. They're really beautiful.
0: Mm-hmm. So I belong to a couple of, of uh, list-serve international groups. And one of them is oh, a Japanese a Maple Society. <laughs> I am a joiner. I like that stuff. The <laughs> Japanese Maple Society. And I put, put pictures of the maples turning color with the glacier in the background. I get... Messages from the French and from Thailand, and from Australia. People going, they just can't believe that. They think that's photoshopped. I mean, it is not. It's real. Japanese maple is a tough tree.
1: It is well. You you have to go by variety. Not all all varieties aren't the same. So there are some that are definitely you know forest trees out of Japan, and forests in Japan are pretty big deals. And so they've been cuttings and bred from that and so you look at the zones and what part of the forest they came from or what forest they came from and you're able to use that.
0: Uh, Good morning Conversations. Well, I was wondering if you think and since they're having such a hard time figuring out what to do with Walmart do you think uh, it would be beneficial or even something that could work uh, making Walmart into a hydroponic grow site. Boy, that sounds like a great idea. be perfect. that would be even better if you could go in there and rent a little space in it. Well, yeah, if you could do that, I mean, at least half the store. Well, that's a great idea. Yeah.
1: I don't know what's wrong with that building, or I thought some the, some conglomerate from Anchorage bought it, but you know the, m- rumors spread in this town like wildfire, so I don't have any idea what's really happening. it sat empty for a long time, and I've never understood why it's not being used unless there's something wrong in the building itself. I
0: heard that there was something wrong yeah. with the water supply or the plumbing. Maybe it froze. Uh, it's sitting on musk it yeah, is. It is. <laughs> Muskegon pilings. Okay, it's yeah. a great idea, sir. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you. you thanks
1: for calling. Bye. And okay, we're coming almost to the end of our show,
0: and oh no, about five minutes, four oh, minutes. We got lots of time—four <laughs> whole minutes. Okay. What are you going to blab about now, Dave? Uh, potatoes. Okay. It's time to be be uh, getting ready for your potatoes, and we're bringing potato sprouts, potato spuds, potato starts in.
1: And the agricultural people ask that we only you only plant potatoes that have been grown in Alaska.
0: Oh, it's the law, right? I, in, in Alaska, you can't. People
1: break the law, so all I'm saying. Oh, is they it. do,
0: don't they? <laughs> <Yes>. How disappointing! <laughs> and the same thing with tomato plants. You're not supposed to bring tomatoes or potatoes in from out of the state because they both carry the same blight. And there's a. There's a, a worry that once that blight gets established, it'll get into the potatoes here, and the potatoes here are pretty much blight-free now.
1: And the, and the blight actually goes into the soil.
0: Oh yeah, right? and it stays and there. It, so, so
1: and that's where it stays.
0: <coughs> <coughs>
1: so you you get rid people of once need it's to understand yes. that. Need to understand that.
0: So if you have your potatoes sprouting that you bought at the grocery store, throw them out. Don't plant those. But get we're ordering.
1: Are- we're ordering out of Fairbanks.
0: Oh yeah. And these come out of tissue culture; they're nice and clean. There's a huge seed potato industry in Alaska that ships worldwide. You know, and, they, and there are
1: fingerlings and those purple potatoes and, and the, the
0: yellow fins and the Arctic Golds and all that stuff, and the red ones and the purple ones and the white ones and those crisp, crisp white ones that make such good French fries. Well yes, we all love a potato.
1: And you want to have your really free draining soil for your potatoes. You don't want heavy, wet soil. If you you know, you want it to be not too wet.
0: Oh, that reminds me. The Master Gardener training is coming up this next month in April. Okay. You're giving a program.
1: Oh, thanks for <laughs> telling me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'm not on I'll, potatoes, I hope, because that's uh-huh. your area. What am I giving a program on?
0: Uh, you're giving a program that you have developed over the years about low maintenance landscape. Design appropriate for Southeast Alaska. There we go. And I'm giving one on uh, appropriate trees and shrubs for domestic gardens in Southeast Alaska. Great, I'll argue with you. What a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, special requests, anything that you have uh, questions about, you can reach us through the email landscapealaska at gmail. You can uh, go to our website, and there is a contact button. You can just push that, and it takes you right to the, the email format. You can call us up. You can stop us on the road, or you can come and see us. Now, we're, we're not open seven days a week yet. So but we're
1: there this weekend for sure working on our greenhouse and giving our class, and, and we love to see you.
0: Right. So if you want to come by, we'll be thrilled to. 11029 on the Back Loop Road. Where the mailbox is laying on the ground. That's right. Maybe by tomorrow I'll get it up. We it's, need
1: to have a couple of people to help pick it up is what it is. It's a pretty big it's one. Really Randy heavy. Hulse
0: made it, it's a beautiful one, but it's...
1: It's down, it's down and out of commission right now.
0: Randy Hulse has been our favorite contractor for many, many years. And if you're ever looking for someone that is reliable... And straightforward, and creative, and respectful, and charming, and charming. H and H Construction. Randy Hulse is a great guy to deal with. So, until next week, this is Conversation with Alaskan Gardeners. Margaret Tharp and David Lindrum. We look forward to seeing you. And until then, happy gardening.